you've got a Bible, if you can turn to Psalm 23. If you haven't got a Bible and like one, uh, Dan's already on the case. So put your hand up. One at the front, the minister's wife needs one. (laughs) Psalm 23. Put the finger in the middle, go to the left a bit, you'll hit the Psalms. And look up Psalm 23, it comes after Psalm 22. One over there on the left, Dan. Good day yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought it was all right. It's a good day. Looking forward to doing that again. Not next week, it'll be next year. And uh, we found it as leaders, and I'm sure you did as a congregation, a great encouragement and uh, really, really pleased of the way it went. We've learnt lessons already, uh, but a few minor ones, nothing too serious. But really good to be... Uh, together as God's people across all three congregations and uh, just really have some space to spend some time together as well in fellowships. That was really good. So we're at Psalm 23. If you're using the church Bibles, page 555. Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Such goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yesterday I spoke about being a leadership, being a church of committed, strong, passionate, never lacking in zeal, enthusiastic people, willing to be filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with faith, to dream the dreams, to embrace that God can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, to recognise that Jesus, and only Jesus, will build his church, that God is doing a new thing, that we'll have plans and ambitions, but we don't want to go anywhere if God isn't leading us. But when we discern his will, then we'll do as he says, being strong, being bold, being courageous, because the Lord our God will be with us wherever we go. Jesus promises to be with us to the very end of the age. I ask together as a church that we commit to the great commandments to love God and love others, to commit to the great commission to go and make disciples, to baptise them, to teach them, to obey everything that the Lord has commanded us. And we said because a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission, the Lord will build a great church. We said that Jesus will come again. We may not see that in our lifetime. Treaties have been saying for 2,000 years it's coming in their lifetime. I'm not going to be one of them. We don't know. But he might do, and the signs are there. Bernard mentioned some of the troubles that are going on in the world. The signs are there. But regardless, we need to be showing his love and his mercy, because he's shown that to us. He's cleansed our sin, so we sing for his glory. We want to be a generation, and, and, and the generation coming after us, that will rise up being full of faith, full of generosity, selfless faith, praying for and seeking and being active for revival. 
We ask that God would heal our hearts and open our eyes, that we'd love like he loves us, that he'd break our hearts with a passion for the lost. We'll seek his kingdom first, knowing that eternity waits for us. And I then asked you whether you join us in that mission, join God in what he's doing already. And to do that, he's asking for commitment, for passion, for generosity, for sacrifice. And many of you said, yes, we'll join him in that mission. Honour, integrity, love, passion, zeal, wholeheartedness, sacrifice. And we said, now is the time to be really serious because the signs are there. Jesus and his church are not an optional extra. So we need to be committed. So it's nice to preach that. It's nice to speak about that, but how? How? How do you do that? How do I do that? What's the recipe? It's not found in a cookery book. It's not uh, found in self-help magazines. What's the source? Where can I get my strength from? It's easy when you're on the mountaintop and everything's really good. Yesterday was a good experience. It was easy to worship God. It was easy to put him first. It was a great day. I loved it. What about the valley times? What about the desert times? The times when we're tested? What about when you're laid bare? You're just about hanging on. Probably most of us know how that feels. Ready to walk away. How do I become an ambassador for Christ with all the responsibility that comes with that? How do I do that when my feelings or moods are low? How do I do that when things don't go to plan and I don't understand what God is doing? How do I live out all those things I've just said? Showing love, showing mercy, seeking the lost, praying for revival, raising up a new generation. How do I have passion and generosity? How can I willingly be sacrificial when you're just holding on by your fingertips? And then when things are good, when you're on the mountaintop like yesterday, how do I constantly remind myself that I'm in God's time of blessing. How do I keep relying on him? When things are going well, we rely on him less. It's when they're going bad, we tend to really lean into him more. How do I stay close to him? Because the fact is, despite what all the self-help books uh, say, despite what culture tells you, you will not be happy all the time. Life has its ebbs and its flows, its mountaintops and its valleys. Life with its false promises, can sometimes let us down. Whether it's health, family, friends, sometimes even church, because we're a room full of sinners. We don't get it right all the time. And as I said yesterday, we do a lot right, but we're not right all the time. We can also, those same things can be great. We can have great health, great family, great friends, a great church. And it's great. How do I do and be all those things that we've said? Whatever the circumstances, whether I'm on the mountaintop or the valley or the desert or the dark night of the soul or whatever you call that place. There's only one way when everything is stripped away, when you're high or when you're low, when you feel you're just about hanging on. There's only one way and that's to declare, like David in this psalm, declare it, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. No matter what is going on, the Lord is my shepherd. He's got me. I hold on to him, whatever's going on in my life, because sometimes life, mine and yours, 
will not go the way you plan. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. And he will not let you down. And we have to hold on to him. And really, when we're going through this series on discipleship, that is the heart. That is it. Saying, whatever's going on, whatever direction my life is taking, the Lord is my shepherd. Whatever goes on around me, whether I disagree or agree, the Lord is my shepherd. If I'm on the mountain top, the Lord is my shepherd. If I'm in the valley, the Lord is my shepherd. I choose to make him Lord. First one, the Lord is my shepherd. We say he has no rival. He has no equal. The Lord is my shepherd. And that term, when David was writing this psalm in the ancient Near East, shepherd was a term widely used for kings. God was known as the God of Israel, the whole group of people, not so personal. It was a community. When they worshipped God, they worshipped as a community. It's, you know, our God, not my God. He says, the Lord's my shepherd. It's personal. It would have almost been offensive at that time. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. It's personal. He is my shepherd and he's your shepherd. Whatever's going on in your life right now, he needs to be your shepherd, your king. And Jesus, of course, in John's Gospel, echoes that. He points to himself. He says, I am the good shepherd. And in those times, unlike now, where the dogs chase up the the various animals they chase up. I'm not a farmer. Um, Let's say the sheep, because it stays in with what I'm trying to say. In those times... The sheep followed the shepherd. He just walked ahead. And they chose to follow him. And the reason they chose to follow him is because they trusted him. So he wasn't behind the sheep, driving them forward, getting the the border collies to run around and scare them into the pen. They followed him. And they followed him because the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. That term in ancient Near East at the time, a term widely used for kings. Jesus is the king of kings. He is above all of them. He has no rival. He has no equal. He is the king of kings. And this king of kings knows his sheep by name, the Bible says. He knows every one of you by name. By name. Is he your shepherd? It's really personal. And it means that I have to put Jesus first in everything, even when I don't understand what's going on, whether it's in my life, the life of the church or the world, I have to say, you are my shepherd. God, Jesus, you are my shepherd. He's leading from the front. I'm not driving him. He drives me. He leads me. He knows me and he knows you. Now, I I like a birth of any baby, really. Um, I thought it was hard work when we had our two. I was quite glad to see them grow up, frankly, but they're lovely. Um, But there's a new baby, Anyone think of the baby I'm talking about? Well, I know we all thought it'd be little Ian, but it's not. It's little Louis. Louis. Louis, the bookmakers are pleased. No one bet on Louis. No one bet on They had Harry, they had Charles, they had all sorts of stuff going on. Not Louis, so they're happy. Um, Andrew and I were driving along the other day, and we had a bit of a chuckle because the DJ um, uh, said, I've got my morning paper in front of me. And he said, the first 25 pages are devoted to what they're going to call the new baby and she's given birth. And I'm not against it. I like a celebration. But 25 pages. He said, not only that, there's a centrepiece as well. Big centre spread. You can pull it out in case the first 25 pages. We didn't even know the name. 
And he said, but I went straight to page 26, just to check whether World War III had broken out. And once I realised it hadn't, I went back to the big news. Let's go back to the baby. The baby got the press. Maybe it's because he's going to be in line to the throne. But he's not the king above all kings. Only one. The shepherd. And the fact is, you know this shepherd? He isn't getting the press. He's not getting 25 pages or a centre spread. He's not getting it. The only press he gets is you and me and how we live our lives. And if we say the Lord is my shepherd, I better live it out because that's how I'm going to be an ambassador because what I do reflects on him. I was about to say, who gets GQ magazine? Remember what it stands for, Gentlemen's Quarterly, so probably half of you are only eligible. Um, But I'm not going to do it. But for those of you, it's a magazine um, for gentlemen, probably why I don't get it. Uh, But it's fashion and stuff, and it's not a bad magazine. But its most recent uh, publication said the Bible is one of those books that is not worth reading. That was their editorial. I won't be buying the magazine. Jesus doesn't get the press. Maybe future kings do, but they're not the king above all kings, only him. But how much press am I giving him? How much press am I showing the world, those characteristics that we said yesterday and I've repeated this morning? Because life will throw many things at you and I need to know, you need to know that the Lord is my shepherd. And when I know that, whatever life throws at me, Whenever, whatever happens, good, bad or indifferent, if I can honestly say the Lord is my shepherd, then I shall not be in want because I'm trusting him. I don't have to understand it and I don't understand so much of what's going on, but he's my shepherd. All the other stuff, the noise, the good, the bad, is secondary. All those things will come and go. But the Lord is my rock and my salvation. He is my shepherd. He is close to me. So I shall not be in want. I can bear all those things as long as I know he's with me. So you and I had better be close to him and better have accepted him as our saviour and not to neglect that relationship because if you have it, you can cope with anything. It won't be easy sometimes, but you shall not be in want because he said he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. And in verses 2 and 3 in the psalm, Shows us what he does. Illuminates how God guides us. Shepherding analogies. David was a shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. When all the noise and the, and the strife is going on, he's, he's saying, just stop. Make sure you know I'm your shepherd. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. When it's downcast, when it's... I just don't know where life is heading. He restores me because the Lord's my shepherd. I can trust him. He guides me in ways of righteousness. Another psalm later on says, Be still and know that I'm God. We need those times. Matt Redman uh, wrote a song, famous worship leader. He said, When all is stripped away. Sometimes life's like that, isn't it? You're laid bare. There's stuff that you can't, you feel you can't cope. You feel you can't face the next day, possibly. And you're stripped bare. There's only you left with God. And then I say, the Lord's my shepherd. And Matt Redman said, when all is stripped away, I come back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. That's discipleship. The Lord is my shepherd. 
If he doesn't leave us, there's good times in life, which is great. I love life. We don't have hard times as well. Verse 4 shows us how God is with us in those times when maybe life isn't so good. Even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me, your rod and your staff. See, the rod and staff were tools of a shepherd, and he gives us tools. He gives me tools, he gives you tools, tools of faith, of devotion, the church family, tools of prayer, tools of his word, but mainly gives us himself. He gives us himself. The Lord is my shepherd. Life can foul me. Health can foul me. Relationships can foul me. They can all bless as well. Death will find me. But it has no sting. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because the Lord is my shepherd. So even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. When life throws those things at us, we don't have to fear them. We don't have to like them. But God is with me. And of course he shows us our destiny, verses 5 and 6. And this is real intimacy. This is real love. He prepares a table before me. Jesus prepares a place. He anoints my head with oil. Very intimate practice they did in those times. It's basically saying, I am loved. You are loved because the Lord is your shepherd and you shall not be in want. And he may lead you through some dark places sometimes, but he will pull you through. He will not leave you on your own. And now verse 6, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. It's never going to leave you. And then for eternity I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's just amazing. So my strength, your strength, has to come from him. Life throws many things at us. And sometimes I will echo Paul and say, for me to live... To, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And other times it's fantastic and you want to live forever and enjoy the ride. But whatever happens, I must say the Lord is my shepherd and so must you. When he comes first, truly first, when I can release and you release all other things and say, I trust you, even if I don't understand them. When I can honestly say, all for you, Jesus, everything for you, when I can honestly say, you're the shepherd, you're leading at the front, and I follow you. You don't have to round me up. I will follow you. I choose you. Whether it's because of circumstances, because life is good, or whether it's in spite of circumstances, because it's testing. You're my shepherd. And you know, the alternative is terrifying. The thought of going through without him. The thought of an eternity not with God is terrifying. But if we accept that, if we say the Lord's my shepherd, that's the key. Then we'll be a leadership in a church, and I'm going to repeat it all, of committed, strong, passionate, never lacking in zeal, enthusiastic people, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, being able to dream dreams because our shepherd is with us, to embrace that God can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine to recognise that Jesus and only Jesus will build his church, that God will do a new thing among us, that we'll have our plans and ambitions, but we pray they come from him because we don't want to go anywhere where God isn't leading us. But when we do discern his will, we'll be bold, we'll be strong, we'll be courageous because he is our shepherd and we will follow him. The Lord our God will be with us wherever we go. Jesus promises to be with us to the very end of the age. And then, 
If we get our source right, not so much the preaching and me telling you what to do, if we get our source right, if the Lord is my shepherd, then I'll be committed to the great commandments, to love God and love others. And then you'll be committed to the great commission to go and make disciples, baptising them, teaching them. Then you'll show love and mercy because it's been shown to you by the good shepherd. And then you'll recognise he cleanses our sin. We'll sing for his glory because you'll be a generation and raising up a generation after that will be full of faith, with generosity, selfless, praying and seeking revival because the Lord is our shepherd. And then, if I'm making my shepherd, he heals my heart, he opens our eyes. We'll love like he loves us. He'll break our hearts with a passion for the people not in this building. We'll seek his kingdom first, knowing that he prepares a place for us for eternity. Then, if you make him your shepherd, you'll join God in his mission. You'll join him with commitment and passion, with generosity with sacrifice, with honour, integrity, love, passion, zeal and wholeheartedness. But it can only come from the relationship with him. Otherwise I'm giving you a load of rules and you know, in the end you're going to you just it's not right. It needs to be your heart and your heart has to be with him because the Lord is your shepherd. And now Jesus is returning, whether I'll be alive here or not, or you, I don't know. But he is coming back and I don't want to be found wanting. And it is time to get serious. Jesus, my shepherd, is not an optional extra and he's not sitting in the back seat. He can't sit in the back seat. He sits in the driver's seat with his hands on the steering wheel and however much you try and show him the way to go, it's wrong. He's driving. He shows us our direction and we're committed because the Lord's my shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. He's the source. He is the answer. He's where I get my strength from, whether it's mountain top or valley times, the desert times, the testing times. When you're laid bare, just hanging on, you can still be an ambassador for Christ with all that responsibility that comes with it. You can do that when your feelings or moods are low, when things don't go to plan. I can live out all those things if I'm making my shepherd showing love, showing mercy, seeking the lost, praying for revival, raise up the new generation, passion, integrity, generosity. You can willingly be sacrificial, not because you've been told to, but because he's the good shepherd. And when things are good, you can constantly remind yourself that you're in God's blessing. It's a time of mountaintop, and you can be happy about that. There's no guilt in that. But you have to keep relying on him. You have to stay close to him, because you know The Lord is your shepherd. He is the king above all kings. He has no equal. He has no rival. And we have to take him seriously. And so I'm going to pray the prayer that I prayed yesterday, that Paul prayed for the Ephesian church again. But I would ask you, I plead with you, people don't know this. They're not in gentlemen's quarterly. They're not getting 25 pages in the tabloids or the broadsheets or centre spreads. Whatever king we get next or queen, they will not be the king above all kings. They'll think they've got immense wisdom, in some ways they may, but they won't have the wisdom of God. There's only one king above all kings, his name is Jesus and he's our shepherd. And whatever's going on in my life, I choose to follow him and I'll trust him. So for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people 
to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.